Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to The Season Keepers, the show where the only two people we recommend keeping for the season is us. My name's Matt, a.k.a. Clean Sheet Wipeout. And my name's James, a.k.a. FBL Drug. So, something a little bit different today, James. Obviously, whilst we've got the Euros ongoing, um, we thought we'd give the listeners a little bit of a special, and a special that's quite close to both of our hearts. Do you want to explain what we're going to do? Yeah, we're going to talk in, in depth um, for about our, the beloved club that we both support, yeah. Southampton. We're going to discuss our roller coaster of the season, um, very much a sudden kind of a, a big ascent. And then obviously we'll talk about what happened to that roller coaster in the coming minutes. But um, It's a bit like the big dipper, yeah. mate. Yeah, essentially the Big Dipper, uh, the Pepsi Max roller coaster in Blackpool. Whatever you want to talk about it, it's a, it's not a good ride. No, not at all. <laughs> it's not one that you want to go back on, that's for sure. But yeah, I think we're going to talk about how the season went. Um, we're going to do a little bit of chat about the uh, the takeover rumours and um, what happened with the uh, the takeover chat during the season. Then we're maybe going to chat about a little bit about transfer rumours, players that we might like to bring in. And obviously, at time of recording, Saints haven't made any signings as of yet. So, um, you know, if, if there are players that we potentially mention that have either been signed by the clubs, then we apologise. But, you know, incomings, outgoings that we're maybe worried about, expectations for next season, I think is a, a big talking point. Um and then, obviously, we'll finish up and let you guys go and uh, carry on enjoying the Euros. But first things first, James, from top in November to 15th come at the end of the season, it's just not good enough. No, no, it isn't. Um, and it's, I guess, maybe difficult to pin down exactly what it is that went wrong. It could be a few things. Obviously, the manager, the team selection the tactics I think maybe he's guilty of not being flexible with his tactics kind of trying to stick to the same thing not willing to change we kind of get found out a bit quite often but we'll go on a good run of form but then when it starts to turn we don't really do anything about it I think the perfect example of the inflexibility of Ralph Hasenhutl at times is the day that Newcastle went down to nine men. Yeah. Because we didn't make a change when they went down to 10. We didn't make a change when they went down to nine men. And we still persevered playing the ball to Redmond, Redmond going down the line, attempting to put a cross in, it being cleared. And it was that 25 minutes. And it was horrendous to watch. Yeah, yeah, very frustrating. You, you, you're screaming at the TV for them to attack, just throw everything at them. They've got nine men for Christ's sake, but yeah, it it, it was just the same, the same old. Yeah. Um, so yeah, gr- great example there. Uh, I just but think- obviously, I think our team is potentially weaker than it was. I think the additions we've made in the recent seasons haven't been nowhere near as strong as obviously past previous seasons before that obviously we had like the likes of Mane brought in Ella like quality players whereas now we're kind of scrapping around 
is it worth us starting from the goalkeeper and working our way through the squad to chat about where we think the issues are? Um, and yeah. then obviously that will then lead on to a conversation later in the pod about, you know, players that we'd like to target. But the first things first, goalkeepers. Obviously, we've got big Fraser Forster and Alex McCarthy. Well, goalkeepers, we need one. We, yeah. And we need a strong first choice keeper. Agreed. Both um, of our goalkeepers. We have two number twos. Yeah. It's, it's horrendous. Like, and the fact that we chose to then chop and change those goalkeepers, I know we saw other clubs doing it, but Ralph came out in his press conference and said, I'm going to give this keeper two games, that keeper two games, this keeper two games, that keeper two games. It doesn't work because the defence in front of them then have no confidence in the keeper behind them. And if a, if a goalkeeper... Goalkeeper thrives on confidence. Right? You've, you've just got... Martinez, perfect example this season. He's a man that kept a few clean sheets at the beginning of the season for Aston Villa, made some brilliant saves, became the top FPL point scorer for goalkeepers because the amount of saves that man made meant that Aston Villa finished where they finished in the table. We don't have that kind of goalkeeper. No, not even close. Um, I think there, there's a big gap between the likes of Martinez and our goalkeeper. I think we're one of the, we've got one of the worst sort of sets of goalkeepers in the league. I think most most teams in the league are to take their goalkeeper over our goalkeeper. Yeah, agreed. I mean, I, I used to rate Fraser Forster, and I mean, I think he's still a brilliant number two. But yeah, we need a goalkeeper to come in in the summer and we'll, we'll come on to options um, later in the pod. But moving into defence then, I don't know where to start. You've got, it's, Ryan Bertrand has obviously left the club. And in my opinion, that was obvious from very early on in the season. He didn't look like, he particularly cared this season. His performances were poor. Um, didn't really link up with Redmond in the way that he has done in previous seasons. Um, and yeah, I just think not having the coverage available there at left back, obviously when Bertrand then got injured towards the end of the season, we were then playing the likes of Salisu and um, Jack Stevens out at left back. And they're not left-backs at the end of the day. Yeah, we, we can change formation to kind of suit that. We can go three at the back. We can play a wing-back. But even so, it just shows the lack of squad depth in that position. Yeah, I think we're very, very thin on the ground. Uh, left-back and well, and right-back, to be honest. I think we're very... Especially with Bertrand leaving. Um, I think we were weak anyway, even yep. with Bertrand in that area. But... Now it's just worse. So exactly. additions are needed. Yeah, and you've, you've touched on, obviously, right back there. Kyle Walker-Peters, I think, is a brilliant little signing. I'm really glad he's with the club. But then again, who else is behind him? Like, we don't have anybody. Yeah, we've got, like, Kyle Ram Ramsey, like the young lad, yeah, but he's not and, right. No. And occasionally, James Ward-Prowse. I mean, that's, he should have been called up to England because he can play right back. Uh, mm -hmm. But it's awful when you see the likes of Prousey put right back because it just shows, again, the lack of squad depth there. Yeah. And it's a real problem. And it has been a continuous problem for us defensively for a number of seasons now. 
And this yeah, season, it's not something you want to do, is it? I mean, it takes Prowsey away from centre mid. It's a it's a waste of Prowsey, and he's not it's not a good right back, really. No. He can he can do a job there, but you want a proper right back there, like Carl Walker Peters. If we can exactly. have another Carl Walker Peters, happy days. Yeah, tell me about it. And I mean, obviously, it gets mentioned time and time again. But now we've got two of them. Nine nil for Christ's sake. It just shows how poor defensively we are at times. And I mean, going into that, that Leicester game uh, towards the end of the season, obviously where we, we did play particularly well, um, but we had a man sent off after 10 minutes and I was so worried <laughs> that Friday night, you know, under the lights again. But yeah, thankfully, we we'd clearly figured out a way of dealing with it, but it can't ever happen again. Right. To have it no. once is an anomaly you'd expect it to be. To have it twice is madness like you should not be a Premier League club and being beaten 9-0 twice no it's shocking I mean for a club's entire history for that to happen never mind under the same manager it's yeah our ability to implode during games like that is just incredible really it's um something we need to fix because I feel like if we're five, six nil down in a game, we're going to have that anxiety about potentially losing nine nil again. Yeah, I know. And the fact that we even put ourselves into that position is unbelievable. And I know Harson Hootel says that you know, the players have to learn. But I don't think he should be allowing the squad to get into that position in the first place. No. Well, in fairness, I don't understand how that young lad did that horrendous tackle uh, at Man United. I mean, that is very much not helped Hassan Hootel at all. No, 60 seconds in. You, you give the kid his debut, and not only did he give him his debut, he gave him it after he had supposedly handed in a transfer request because he wasn't happy about the minutes that he was getting and the salary that he was on. The club agreed a new salary for him and then allowed him to come on or to start against Man United, and he goes and does that, and obviously we haven't seen him since. No, and I'm not sure if we'll see him again. <laughs> I hope not, personally. Um, moving into centre-back then, obviously, we've got a few options. Uh, Jack Stevens, Salisu, Bednarak, Vestergaard. I still think we need to strengthen, personally. Yeah, we're, we're a bit stronger in this area. I feel less uncomfortable about this area. However, we definitely do need another sort of centre-back in there. Yeah, I think... Um, we're lucky that Vestergaard's played out of his skin and played so well. Yeah. But if he was to lose form, suddenly we're very kind of thin on the ground again. Agreed. I mean, Bednarak is a good centre-back. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he's better than Jack Stevens in my opinion. But for me, if we were playing a back, back four, the two centre-backs should be Salisu and Vestergaard. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree with that. I, th- I think there's not too much in it um, between Bednarak at the moment. I think Salisu will get better in time. Yeah, I think uh, you know, he was given opportunities towards the end of the season and I think he looked good. Um, I just really hope that he gets more of a chance at the start of next season because I genuinely believe there's a player in there. Yeah, I hope so. I hope he gives him a run at the start. Um, if he doesn't, then um, I hope he brings him in. Like. Yeah. Good to see more of them. Yeah, for sure. Then moving into midfield, um, I think one of the biggest issues this season 
is obviously we lost Pierre-Emil Hoiberg to, uh, to Spurs. We brought in Ibrahim Diallo. Um, and then obviously Romeu also picked up his injury. Without Prousey in that midfield, I think we're so weak. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. We're, there's no real soul in that midfield without Prousey. Obviously, Hoiberg was able to have that kind of job if we were to not have Prousey, um, get the team going and so on. Obviously, we know Romeo's like that as well, but obviously he does get injured from time to time. So, yeah, I think I think we could do with another sort of strong personality in there, a defensive-minded yeah. player. Agreed, because it would also then allow Prousey to have more of an effect going forward. Um, Romeo does that job when he plays, but he's a yellow card magnet at the end of the day. Um, and there is always the risk of that man getting sent off, which panics me every time I watch him. And yeah, he's a good player, but I think we could do better. Yeah, I think he's a good squad player to have, um, but we don't want to be in a position where he's our starting centre mid. No. And what were your thoughts on Diallo this season? I know he didn't get much game time, but did you expect more? A little bit more. I thought he might shock or even impress me, but he just sort of did a job. He didn't yeah. really... He wasn't noticeably bad, um, but he wasn't noticeably good either. No. So from a sort of new signing, you kind of want a bit more. Like Carl Walker-Peters, when he, when he came in, he did a great job and I was very happy with him, but I don't think the same can be said for him. No, exactly. And I'm hoping maybe this was just a case of Diallo bedding himself into the Premier League and we may well see a far better centre midfield player that, you know, make a tackle, win the ball, play a ball. Because, I mean, he did exceptionally well, you know, as, as a youth prospect um, coming through the French leagues. And we just haven't seen it so far. But I'm hoping that uh, come the start of the season, we could well see Diallo and Prousey starting alongside each other. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to see him bed in well. Um, he's had that first season. Who knows? He might have a great second season. We don't know. Yeah. Fingers crossed. And then um, moving on to the wingers then. We have an abundance of wingers. Are, are any of them any good? <laughs> I was going to say it's the same thing. Uh Essentially, all the wingers are like basically Fia Walker at Arsenal slash Everton. So, like, great to watch. They they can take on a player, but the end product is kind of never there. Yeah, I mean, the fact that we've re-signed Fia Walker. I mean, I'm don't get me wrong. I'm glad he's come home. It's great to see. But if that's the commitment that we're making and where we feel is strengthening our squad, then I'm concerned because. Like you've just said, it's all the hope and you watch them and they run themselves into the box, but there's no end product. Just look at Nathan Redmond, brilliant player, in my opinion. I think he's got all the talent. He just doesn't know how to use it. Um, when he gets into the box, I never think he's going to score. And time and time again, he'll either, you know, put himself into a corner, can't take round three men, or he'll blaze it over the bar from about 24 yards you're trying to cut inside. And it's so frustrating to watch because even, I mean, we'll come back to it. Obviously, Pep clearly knows, we've clearly seen how good a player Redmond could have been. 
back back when we played Man City, what was it, three, two, three seasons ago now? Um, and Redmond just doesn't seem to perform. And Gineppo is exactly the same. Like he's got he's got the, the, the skills, he just doesn't use his talent. And I think the first half of the first season that he played for us when we were in this ground, I was excited by Gineppo. I thought he was really good. He got forward, he got to the byline, he pinged in bowls, and there was numerous occasions he'd ping it in and Danny Ings would be there to finish. He didn't see that from him this season because more often than not, he was being used as a wing-back um, when we moved to a back three. And that was odd. Um, and then obviously we saw Minamino, and again, oh, on loan, obviously from Liverpool. I was excited. Minamino came in, scored an absolute worldie on his first start for us. Did he really perform this season? No. Yeah, it looked promising at the start of his loan spell, but then just sort of faded out. Um, and Gineppo, he we, he would be a fantastic player if he could finish. If we yeah. could, he could start finishing his chances, then he'd almost be like a new signing himself. Yeah, well, I can't remember the team we played against, but there was that run that he made um, where he almost he took it inside of two, cut back in put the defender on the floor and then finished it like bottom right-hand corner. Unbelievable finish. And we know he's got it in his locker. But yeah, like you said, he, he panics in front of goal. And there have been countless chances that he's he's missed. Yeah. Yeah, no. Watching him is like watching a sort of out-of-form Sadio Mane. Yeah, exactly that. That's just the way I'd sum him up. <laughs> great point. It's a great point. And Mane, I guess, was similar for us in times. You know, Gineppo goes down a lot, which I fucking hate as a player. Mane did the same for us when he first came. He went down. He'd do it successfully as well. He'd yeah. win a lot of yellows, a lot of free kicks. Exactly. Whereas Gineppo doesn't do it successfully. There has been so many occasions where he's just been left on the floor and players carried on this season. And obviously where we've got to see all of the games on TV and I've not been at the grounds, but got to see all the away games. It's so obvious when he's playing, and I just don't understand that mentality. No. The, the only other player that I genuinely have high hopes for, and I think it's probably to do with the fact that he's what, the first youth prospect to successfully come through the squad for quite some time is Nathan Teller. Yeah, he's he's been a sort of a fan favourite this season like people have been dying for him to to play more yeah like he's been on the bench obviously um yeah he's not great what we i think we should should give him more of a starting role next season i'm sure he probably will get one yeah uh, i hope so yeah he's, he's been impressive hopefully he doesn't almost play too well <laughs> to attract the attention of other clubs because essentially we are we'll, we'll come on to it when we talk about the takeover sort of stuff but we are very much a selling club Always have been. That's that's the worst thing. And then, yeah, up top, we've obviously got Che McAdams and um, Danny Ings. And I think it showed this season when Ings gets injured, we struggle. And he's been out three times this season. Yeah, no, um, very important player to us. And I've, I've, the partnership between them both has actually sort of blossomed a little bit. And if we can keep both of them fit, I think we're a much stronger team. It's it's just yeah, keeping both of them fit, I guess, is the is the challenge. 
Agreed. And I am so worried about this summer. Um, I mean, we can come on to it now, but I'm so worried about the outgoings of the squad. Um, we've obviously saw the rumours about James Ward-Prowse and Aston Villa, which we'll come on to. For me, the player I'm most worried about leaving is Danny Ings. Agreed. Same, same for me. And as we've been saying, like the squad depth is so thin, that makes any outgoing all the more painful if it was to happen. Be it Prowsey, be it obviously Ings. Vestergaard would be actually quite a big outgoing. I, I wouldn't have said that a couple of seasons ago. Yeah, but, I think he would. I think he would. Um, he, he, he would be. And Ings is so important to us. He, he brings sort of almost guaranteed goals if he's in the team. And to lose that would would be huge. Exactly. The fact that he gets the amount of goals he does in a, I mean, we can admit it, a, a relatively poor Southampton side this season. We did exceptionally well to get to where we were in November and then we got found out and we were the worst performing club in the Premier League this side of January which says it all really um, but I had a conversation with James from Planet FPL um, a few weeks back now and we spoke about obviously if Harry Kane leaves Spurs and at the time of recording Harry Kane has not left Tottenham yet but if Harry Kane leaves Tottenham I think and James is also in agreement that Danny Ings is the perfect candidate to go to Spurs for a season. Yeah, and I think if 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 it, Danny wants to do the move, then I think that that will happen. I think Spurs will definitely go after him if yeah. Kane. And I mean, if Ings can stay fit and firing, and imagine he was able to hit twenty goals for Tottenham in a season with the World Cup coming up next winter. Could Danny Ings, you know, be fighting to get on that plane? Because he's missed out this season, probably down to the fact, you know, he's been injured countless times. Had he maintained the form that he had at the end of the 1920 season throughout this season and stayed fit, I think he would be assured to be on that plane ahead of Calvert-Lewin, in my opinion. Um, yeah, but- I'd love to see a Kane and Ings up top yeah. partnership. That'd be great to watch. Obviously, the strength of Harry Kane and the sort of pace and strength clinicalness of Ings. Oh yeah, exactly. And I mean, Ings is so precise with his finishing as well. Like he just knows where the back of the net is. He'll turn and he'll shoot or he'll he'll have a ball that's over the top. He'll see where the keeper is and he'll lob him. Like that goal against Liverpool this season, the very quick free kick from Prouty, you know, chips it over to the bottom left. sees sees Allison come out and he chips him. Like brilliant goal. And he's done that a couple of times. For me, if we were to lose Ings... Unless we brought in another prolific goal scorer or a player that, you know, can hold the ball up, I think Che Adams becomes a poorer option because there have been countless times this season where I think Adams felt a bit lost when he was on his own up there. Yeah, and the and the pressure would be on him too. Yeah. He'd be exactly. the main man, the focal point, the where where we want the goals coming from. Exactly. And Adams is a really good player. Don't don't get me wrong. You know, I've been very impressed with him. And I'm glad he's obviously changed his allegiance to Scotland, which, you know, I'm not going to complain about because it means that Scotland have now got an option to play alongside Lyndon Dykes. So brilliant. But yeah, he's not your number one striker. And he's not the man that you think, ah, oh, he's the one that I'd want, you know, for this Premier League club. Not at the moment, not. no. 
I, th- I think he could be in a could couple be. of years. Yeah. Um, but at the moment, he isn't. No. And then when you look on the bench, time and time again, the only player that we're bringing on is Inland Dooley. And again, you know, another young prospect. But at the moment, I don't think he's good enough at all for the Premier League. He's strong. He's also got pace. But I haven't seen anything there that has impressed me enough to think he could make a real difference. No, same for me. I think our bench is pretty poor. Like we've mentioned, our squad depth it's it is poor. We need to we need to sign people and to retain the people we have. And I'm not confident we're going to do either of those things. No, not at all. And then obviously we, we announced at the end of the season the um, that player list um, of released players. Ryan Burchand was obviously on there. Jake Heskiff finally left the club. Um, he's been with us a long time. Uh, he was an academy graduate, wasn't he? So, you know, I think he scored his first goal back in 15, 16, possibly. Good little player, but just never really, you know, pushed on with the likes of James Ward-Prowse. Josh Sims, I'm a little bit disappointed um, that he didn't progress uh, with us. Obviously, he then had that loan spell. He went out to it was New York Red Bulls, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, it was. Went went out there, but I'm just, I'm a bit gutted that he didn't push on because I actually expected bigger and better things from from Josh Sims. The other players that have been released, they're all young youth prospects, to be fair, that have never really made it, and good luck to them. Hopefully they get the opportunity in the lower leagues. I think the next next point that we should really talk about is the... um, the takeover and what is going on with the ownership in our club yeah it's um i guess we feel a bit rudderless at the moment i think obviously we've had that rumor of a takeover and to be honest i'd love to see a takeover providing the owners are sort of fit and proper yeah. which uh, i guess passing the test is no guarantee that that's going to be the case but yeah, we could. Do, we need investment. We need people to not just take money out of the club, but to put money in to invest in new players. And then I think we could develop. We could become. We could get into Europe. You know, um, I don't think it's beyond us to aim for the Europa League. I think no. that would be a realistic sort of three-year ambition to become a firstly break into the Europa League and then become a decent side in the Europa League. Exactly. However, under Gal, I don't think that's nope. never going to happen. No. I guess I was naive when he first came in to the club. You know, we knew all about the money and we thought, oh, yeah, you know, we've got these Chinese investors. Brilliant. They don't want to invest a penny into the club. They, they want to run it as a business, keep it ticking over. Honestly, I don't even know why they bought us. Um, I genuinely think it was potentially to get these China, Chinese sponsorship deals in. Um, obviously, we had the, the the absolute farce of our shirt sponsor halfway through the season having to be changed because it turns out that the um, the sponsorship was not really a, a legitimate business company. Um, that obviously got pulled. Uh, there was issues around funding and payments and whatnot. So then we, we changed sponsorship halfway through. That should not be happening. Um, and just from the the fan forums and the occasional um, meetings that they have where they invite, you know, fan representatives into the club and they sit down and they occasionally stream it, which is really good. Um, 
you never believe that they're willing to uh, push the club on. However, there was the rumours that um, Joseph de Grossa uh, was looking to, to bid for the club um, and potentially move on as a takeover, um, obviously American businessman. But from what I've read, because obviously that, those talks went really quiet. Um, and then de Grossa has actually come out and I believe he did an interview with The Athletic um, and he just detailed basically how, you know, COVID obviously hit and he and Gao um, just were miles apart in terms of the valuation of the club. And I don't think we're ever going to recoup the value that Gao paid to take over. Um, I believe De Grossa was willing to pay about 150 million for us. Probably sums up where we're at, to be honest. Yeah, it's a bit. It's a bit of a tough, tough situation. Um, while we're not doing too badly, I guess the the pressure is there, but not like Newcastle level of board discontent. No, but I think yeah, it would only take one more sort of dodgy bad season for us for that for that to to grow, especially if we were to not bring anyone in after letting the likes of Bertrand leave. Yeah, I agree. If either James Ward-Prowse or Danny Ings leave this summer and we don't reinvest that money well, I think we could start to see issues. And obviously, fans, we're going to be back in the ground. Um, fingers crossed come, come August. I've renewed my season ticket. I'm, I'm going to be back. I can't wait. If we don't start well and are as poor as we were the second half of this season at the start of next, you will then start to hear mumblings and fans will then get on the back of both the owners and the management of the club. And that's not where I thought we'd ever be, but it's a genuine thought of mine now. I mean, we've come from Europa League football with, you know, um, Pochettino at the realm. Um, Marcus Lieber, the man that came in, saved our club. He was so engaged with the running of our club um, that I genuinely thought, you know, brilliant. You know, we've gone from League One, we've got Premier League, we've got this owner that truly cares. And obviously, sadly, he passed away. Katarina Lieber then obviously took on the mantle. I don't think she cares about us at all compared to what her dad did. No, no comparison to, to the level, obviously, that man who who obviously saved us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's tricky. I don't think we'd get another owner like that. I mean, I'd, I'd, love, I'd love to see it. Um, don't get me wrong. But, yeah, I don't... Think it's you know, a bit uh, of a risky investment for any potential owner. Exactly. Do you know, Lieber really reminds me, not in terms of the financials, but in terms of the passion for a club and the engagement with the fans of the Leicester ownership. Yeah. Yeah, I just, just the way, like looking at the um, the league, the FA Cup final, obviously when Leicester win, the, the chairman then goes down and he celebrates with the players, he celebrates with the manager, he celebrates with the fans. You don't often see that from a chairman, but Lieber was very much that type of owner. And there's a reason we still sing his name in the stands because... He was one of a kind and yeah, you hit the nail on the head. He saved our club and to get us back to the Premier League in the way that we did was exceptional. See the state of the club now 
almost regressing and going back into struggling to beat the likes of Burnley, which for a club that was four or five seasons ago in the Europa League football, it's it's frustrating. It really is. And when you go up against a team like Burnley or Crystal Palace and we're not expecting to win, like that's not where I want Southampton to be. And genuinely, things have to change this summer. Um, otherwise, obviously, we'll, we'll go into expectations for next season, but I think we're in trouble. Yeah, I, I very much agree with that. I think it starts with the ownership because obviously that fizzles down to the level of investment the players we can buy. And then that ultimately impacts our season. I think we're fine with Ralph at the helm. I think it's just he needs a bit of money. He needs yeah. to bring in, be able to bring in some decent players to retain the good players that we do have. And yeah, the current ownership is not, it's not, it's not terrible. Don't get me wrong, but it's it's just on a downward trajectory for our for our club and our team. Agreed. Um, on Ralph, I I think yeah. On his day, he's a brilliant manager and it's shown he's got such passion for the club and for what he does. How long, though, do you give it where there's clearly an indication that there's no plan B? Well, even if the season was to say start badly, I'd still give him the entire season. And then obviously, if we were to finish 17th or off a bit go down then we'd have to get rid of him but I think we'd be a bit rash to say say we're in the relegation zone after eight games I think it would be a bit premature a bit irrational to get rid of him then yeah I agree I, I I don't think we should um, I think the players let him down particularly the second half of the season however I would question it if say after Christmas we were really struggling whether he was now the right man for that squad of players. Yeah, I mean, I guess it also depends on who's available around that time as well. Yeah. But um, I have confidence in him, even if he was to be, say, in a situation like that, I think we'd ha- he'd have the character and the nous to get out of it. Good. Nah, I'm glad. And I'm hoping, you know, we as fans are going to have to get right behind him when we're back in that stadium um, come August. And fingers crossed, it's been a productive summer for us. Um, we'll end on one note then. If you had to pick one player to sign this summer, do you have a player in mind? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'd say... Or position? A strong goalkeeper. I think the goalkeeper is the most important position for us to strengthen him. That is... Alongside left-back, obviously. Well, yeah. (laughs) That is the position I've chosen, and the name that I have down is Sam Johnson. Yes. Yes, Sam Johnson would be a great addition. Obviously, played very well for England the other night. Great shot stopper. Would be a good move for him. Would be a good move for us. Exactly. I think I'd I'd definitely get uh, get alongside that. The, The clubs that are in and around where we are... I think have generally strong number ones and not so great number twos. We as a club, as we've said, have two number two goalkeepers. I think Sam Johnson comes in and immediately strengthens the club. And I can't see him staying with West Brom. I mean, 
he's an, he's shown in the Premier League how good a shot stopper he is. West Brom would have conceded double the amount of goals that they did if it wasn't for Sam Johnson. And I think a move to a club like ours could be great for his career because yes, we may well be another stepping stone, but if he was to then have a good couple of seasons with us and we were to start to progress and keep clean sheets and push the Europa League, he's still a young lad. There's no reason why he couldn't stick with us for three, four or five years and push on and you know get a role in that England squad. But I think we should be going all out to get a goalkeeper like Sam Johnson. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd, I'd agree. I think the move makes sense for all par- all parties, West Brom, us, and and obviously him himself. Exactly. And th- yeah, it would appease the fans as well. I think that would make the fan base happier of a move like that. Yep. Right then, uh, we'll make one prediction. Um, where do you think we're going to finish next season? if we were to go into the season as we are currently? As we are currently 15th. Yeah, I've got 14th down at the moment. I think, we'll be, I think we're struggling again, just purely because the current squad that we've got are the ones that failed to really do anything post-January, and that really worries me. Fingers crossed, however, we'll end on a more positive note. Fingers crossed it's a far better summer for us. We make the signings that we need. We strengthen the positions that we have to. And you never know, we may even hear more about these takeovers towards the end of the summer or even into the beginnings of next season. You know, when things start to stabilise a bit more, the market stabilise and this COVID pandemic is fucked off because I've had enough of it. Right, well, um, I'm really hoping that you guys listening have, have enjoyed that because it's something we quite like to do a little bit more of in terms of specials. Um, we're both quite passionate about, you know, football in general is hopefully you've picked up on, you know, from listening to us over the last year. Um, and if there's any, like, particularly specials and topics that you'd like to, uh, to review and to talk about, don't be shy of sliding into our DMs because this this particular pod came from a conversation that we had within the community. It was picked up on the fact that we're both Saints fans and people wanted to hear our views on the season, what's going on behind the scenes and where we see ourselves going. So we'd love for you to get in touch and um, let us know if there's anything else you really want us to talk about because international you know, breaks and whatnot, they're dull as shit at the end of the day. And we only ended up talking about nonsense anyway. So why not have particular topics that you guys want to listen to? Exactly. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed speaking about the club with you. Agreed. Right. Um, I guess we can just get back to watching European football now, mate. Yeah. Yes, yeah? we can. All right. Well, uh, appreciate all the love, folks. Feel free to you know like, retweet. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, We're looking to develop that over the summer, so keep an eye. And, um, yeah, it's been a pleasure, folks. So it's a goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. Cheers, everyone.